Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Convery. Today, we are reintroducing Careering Talk, an open mic series to empower job and career seekers with knowledge, insights, career pathing, and coaching. On today's Careering Talk, I've invited career services, alumni, and corporate relationship leaders from post-secondary institutions across North America to talk all things students and careers. I would like to welcome my guests, Maurice Fernandez, Cynthia Bishop, Jess Jennings, Aaron Kapin, Bob Eckewald, and what we will do is I'll ask each of you to quickly introduce yourself, what's your pronouns, uh, what do you do, and how do you spend your daytime outside of your day job? Maurice, we'll start with you. Thanks, Brian. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Maurice Fernandez, and I use he, him pronouns. Uh, I am located in Toronto, and I'm currently the manager for career education at Toronto Metropolitan University. Um, and how do I spend my time outside of my day job? It's, it's playing horrendous outfield for my men's slow pitch team. And <laughs> right now I'm uh, studying madly for my upcoming fantasy football draft. So happy to be here uh, and looking forward to a great discussion with some amazing uh, career education and working leaders. Thanks, Maurice. Cynthia, how about you? Hi, Ryan, and hi, everyone. So excited to be here. I'm Cynthia Bishop. I'm the manager of career and professional development at the DeGroote School of Business. And my pronouns are she, her. And what do I like to do outside of my day job? Um, what keeps me busy? Uh, I love to be outdoors. So hiking is always on the list. But my most, most favorite thing to do is plan my next travel adventure. So the next one is Iceland. So if anybody has any recommendations, I'd love to hear them. Wow, Iceland. I don't know. We might have to take them from you when you get back. <laughs> Happy to. <laughs> Jess, how about you? Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Jess Jennings. Uh, my pronouns are L en français and she, her in English. Uh, I'm the Associate Supervisor of Business Operations at the University of Ottawa's co-op office. Uh, and uh, I'm located in Ottawa, which is the unceded territory of the Anishinaabe Algonquin people. Um, what do I do in my spare time? Um, I'm going to piggyback a little bit on Cynthia. Um, hiking, walking, being outside for sure. Uh, last couple of years, I took up snowshoeing uh, in Ottawa. We get a lot of snow, so it's the best place to do it. Um, but uh, another hobby is uh, trying out new craft breweries. Uh, those are popping up all over the place uh, locally. So definitely a hobby uh, of mine for sure. That's nice. That's awesome. Thanks, Jess. Aaron, how about you? Thanks, Brian. Hi, folks. My name is Erin Kaipainen. My pronouns are she, her, um, and I live and work on the traditional territories of the people of Treaty 7 in Southern Alberta, where I'm the Director of Experiential and Work Integrated Learning at the University of Calgary. Um, and because I uh, live and work in Calgary, I'm not from here, but spent the last 15 years here, and I love, uh, there's a bit of a theme, every opportunity to get outdoors. So skiing in the winter, um, and this time of year, uh, doing as much camping on the weekends as possible with my family. So we did 35 nights two years ago, 25 nights last year, and I'm on a mission to at least surpass 25 nights this year. Wow, that's a lot of nights of camping. So much fun. <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, Bob, how about you? Hi, Brian. Yeah, it's, it's Bob Eichfeld. Um, pronouns are he, him. Um, I'm the director of the Career Center and the YU Experience Hub at York University in Toronto. Um, 
I spend my time uh, with my two kids. So I have a son who's 11 and a daughter who's who's 14, and that takes up a lot of my time. Um, my wife just finished a 25-year career with the National Ballet of Canada, and so that was also a big part of our lives. Um, uh, you know, watching her perform and traveling the world to see them perform. Uh, and then for myself, I play hockey, volleyball, and I love skateboarding uh, as long as I don't fall. So that's me. Wow. Wow. Some interesting guests here today. I'm so excited and I'm learning as much as I know all of you. I learned more through this podcast myself. It's really cool. And I didn't. Congratulations to your wife. That's such an accomplishment, too. Wow. Thank you. Really cool. All right. So I'm going to take us through some quick rapid fire questions and then we're going to dig right in. So I'm going to start with the first one um, and I'm going to just go right through the list here. But what is your superpower? Starting with Bob. Um, I would say collaboration and building trust relationships. Nice. Aaron. Didn't grow up with a lot of money and I'm really resourceful. Resourceful. Awesome. Jess. Seeing the bigger picture. Seeing the bigger picture. All right. Cynthia. Oh my goodness. My friends would say I can have a conversation with anybody anywhere at any point in time. (laughs) The gift of gab. The gift of gab. (laughs) That's why we get along so well. Uh, Maurice. I would have to say connector. Connector. Awesome. Okay, next one. Best compliment you've ever gotten. Maurice. Uh, I had a student. uh, She called me a bright light that helps students navigate complex systems like applying to jobs and uh, grad school programs. So that was, yeah, that still stuck with me. I like that. Awesome. (laughs) Cynthia. Oh, it'll be a student theme, I think, in this group. Uh, I had a student once say to me, they thought I was a big fish in our small pond. And I said, no, I'm not a big fish. He goes, but at least you're the most colorful fish, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best compliments. <laughs> I will always be a colorful fish. A colorful fish you are. How about uh, Jess? Uh, I had a student say that uh, I made them feel safe, which was really beautiful. Uh, a student who was going through a rough time and needed a, a, just someone to talk to and an open door. And um, they said that I made them feel safe, which was really nice. That's awesome. Aaron. I'm going to break the theme because I had thought something that the student shared. But when I was in grade two, I had a teacher that I loved and she wrote a note to my mother and said that I was unique. Um, And I didn't know what that meant. And my mom read it to me and told me and I burst into tears because I just wanted to be like everyone else. But that was early part of finding who I am and my identity. And yeah, I reflect differently on that now than how I felt when I was in grade two. How special that is. I love that. It's awesome. Great to hear that one too. Bob, how about you? Best compliment you've ever gotten? Yeah. um, It's from a former staff member who, um, I helped uh, move into a leadership role from from where I used to be. And so she said, I wish there was an AI version of you um, so that uh, she she doesn't seem to get enough time with me <laughs> right now. And so, yeah, so that that was that was great and made me feel good about, uh, you know, being there for my staff and and also, I guess, guiding them through their careers as well, uh, yeah. along with students. Yeah, un- unbelievable. I, I, no surprise to me, super impactful group with everything you've said. Um, okay, next one up. Uh, let's keep it clean here. Favorite smell, Maurice? Uh, has to be my grandfather's cologne. Uh, so he was very, very important to me in my life. And I was so fortunate after his passing that I, I could find a bottle of his cologne. And good days, bad days, 
and days in between, I'll always just crack I crack it open and take a sniff and just remember him. Oh, that's awesome. Love that. Cynthia. Oh, Maurice is so hard to follow. Yeah. <laughs> Love that story. Just and it was interesting because he just made me think I could just smell my grandmother because I have that same kind of memory. Um fall is probably my favorite smell. Fall. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Jess. For me, it's that when you first wake up and you just smell that coffee for the first time, um, that like it's freshly <laughs> brewing, maybe you're pouring your first cup. For me, that's the best smell in the world. Love it. Aaron. A cedar forest. Mm. Bob. Uh, lilacs in the spring. Lilacs, yes, those smell awesome. Definitely reminds me of spring, absolutely. I can just think of it now as you describe it. Um, okay, we all started somewhere in our careers, and I know we've all uh, done interesting and insightful uh, careers and uh, things we've done along the way, but we all had a first start. So what was your very, very first job? I'll start with Bob. Okay, uh, dishwasher at Ponderosa. Um, <laughs> Two sixty-five an hour back then. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Aaron, how about you? I think I made $5.40 an hour working at the Smith Falls Dairy Queen. Ah, I love Dairy Queen. Jess. Uh, I delivered the local newspaper in my neighborhood. Uh, that was my first job. And I couldn't tell you how much I actually made. I, I honestly think I went most weeks without being paid, but it was the experience that counted, really. <laughs> Cynthia, how about you? Um, so I grew up in a family that owned a pro hardware. So my very first job ah. was in the hardware store working for my parents, uh, cleaning shelves, weighing nails. It was the best learning experience ever. Uh, and I can tell you what I made because my parents took my wages and put them away for university. Probably the best ah. decision they ever made. And we got an wow. allowance from those. My brother and I both did it. So that was, that was my first job. Wow. Super smart of your parents. Wow. Um, Maurice. Uh, camp counselor. Yeah. So, ah. uh, I was at, yeah, I was working at a mom and tots camp. So uh, moms would kind of go in for life skills and they were in and out of risk. And I would watch over their kids while they were at the camp. It was an awesome experience. Oh, cool. Okay. I know this one um, sometimes can be tough to pick one word, but if you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would you choose? Maurice? Optimistic. Optimistic. Cynthia? Yep. Solution-oriented, hyphenated. Okay, I'll, I'll let you have that. <laughs> it's hyphenated. Jess? Uh, I'll say bold. Bold. Aaron? Learning, always learning. Learning. Bob? Connector. I'm using Maurice's earlier one, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, that was great getting to know each of you. And now we're going to jump right in, um, thinking and talking about students, careers, and employers in 2023. So first, I want to ask each of you how you how you got started and what you're doing for your institution and what attracted you to it as a career. So why don't we start with Jess? Sure. Uh, so I spent uh, quite a bit of my time in my last few roles before coming to the University of Ottawa, uh, working with youth specifically and preparing them for the future of work. So that's how I got exposed to the space. Uh, found it very rewarding, realized I wanted to continue doing it, uh, and I thought it was a great opportunity maybe to give back to the community that I went to school in, so uh, I ended up at the University of Ottawa in that capacity. 
Uh, and what really attracts me to the role is that um, I find that young people truly need someone to support them, whether they know it or not. And um, sometimes it's just being there and showing them that it's possible to have someone to help them that makes a world of a difference and can really help them um, not only in their careers, but also in their self-confidence and growing as a person. Uh, and to me, that's the most rewarding uh, thing that I could do in my life. So um, that's really what attracted me to this type of position. Excellent. Erin, how about you? I go way back to um, when I was in university because I was the first in my family to go to university and I didn't have a lot of career guidance from my parents and also didn't have a lot of ideas about the world of work or jobs. Um, but I was really involved at my alma mater as a student um, through volunteer and paid opportunities. And in my fourth year, it wasn't a co-op or internship, but I had an opportunity to work in a research services office. And it was the type of place where I remember sitting down with the director and the associate director who were trying to solve a problem. And they turned to me and they asked me how I would do it. And it just really um, was almost jarring to me in that they were asking for my opinion and input. And it really um, shattered my conceptions of what uh, the world of work is like. And I would fast forward to now, like seven, more than 17 years later, um, I've spent 17 years working in higher education, working with students. And I would say that we are always solving problems, um, responding to trends and changes in our student body. Um, and I just enjoy <clears throat> that fluctuation, change, the critical thinking um, and, and collaboration with colleagues across campus. Very cool. Cynthia, how about you? Oh, so I got tapped on the shoulder. So similar to Erin, I was very involved as a student uh, at the university that I was my alma mater as well and uh, student leadership, athletics, worked part-time, the whole piece. And I think that really came from a, I grew up in a small town, so uh, we were very community oriented. My parents obviously had a business, as I mentioned earlier, they were also involved in our municipal government. So um, we always did stuff within our community. And so somebody tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think you'd be a really great student advocate. And I was working with a career advisor at the time. And I said, listen, they've asked me to go join this co-op program. They think I might be a good employee. And uh, my career profile definitely indicated that in terms as well, that the working in higher ed, but having that connection to corporate partners and being able to create those opportunities for students. And really that's been the guiding value all along is the notion of uh, I facilitate opportunities and the more opportunities that people have, uh, the more choices they have and the greater successful experience. And that's what we do, right? Is create that space for them and connect them students, no matter what program they're in or what they're interested in with great opportunities in our corporate community and it helps our economy grow in Canada. Awesome. Bob, how about you? Yeah, so um, uh, my first position was a youth employment service in Cambridge um, right after I graduated and, and that's what um, got me onto this. I'll have to admit, I was a, I was a varsity athlete in, in the university. I was focused on volleyball and not uh, school and career. And I think I literally went my last day of, of school to the career center and had this epiphany moment of like, oh, look at what I missed out on. Why didn't I come here earlier? Um, I got involved in this youth employment program with uh, students who were sort of earmarked as potentially dropping out. And me and a colleague, he taught them some basic computer skills. And then my role was job developer to, 
to help them um, get a, a meaningful experience. And it just, the light bulb literally just went off. I'm like, I love going out and trying to find like meaningful experiences for, for people. I'm not afraid to be the salesperson and make those connections for them. And then to foster that positivity in that young person who was maybe doubting themselves and to say, listen, you have as bright a future as anyone else. And don't just let this one experience kind of set you off on the wrong path. Changed everything. And, and I knew my career from then on was going to be in this field. And so um, that ability to potentially potentially be a catalyst um, and, and make that, that difference is really what still drives me today. And through co-ops and career services, it's all the same thing. Like, like Cynthia was saying, we still get to play that role. And uh, it's such a reward when you you can can make that difference and students really get to where they, they should be. Super cool. Maurice, how about you? Yeah, mine was really accidental. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to say that I, I woke up one day and I knew that I wanted to be in career education, but uh, it wasn't like that. I, my role at my previous employer was eliminated. And as I was transitioning out, I called my contact at Toronto Metropolitan University, Ryerson at the time, and explained that I will no longer be supporting them in campus recruitment uh, activities. And so he asked me, well, what are you doing? I'm like, the first time in 23 years, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll just go on vacation for a little bit. Um, and he's like, well, I'm about to hit enter on a career education specialist for the faculty of science. I'm like, that's nice. If I know anybody, I'll give him a call. And he's like, no, 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 no. I think you should apply. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute. I, you, do you know who, like, yeah, like, I, that's kind, but have you seen my profile? And because I was on LinkedIn looking at everybody he had on the team, and they were like all educators, masters of education, like just some you know, really hardcore educators in that space. And he's like, no, listen, we've seen you on campus. We've seen you speak with students. We've seen you engage with them. You're in campus recruitment. So he's already knocking out my transferable skills. He's already seen me work. He's like, I think you'd be perfect. Think about it. And I reflected on it. And you know, my wife at the time was like, uh, what else are you doing? <laughs> and so it's like, it's a 12-month contract. Try it out. What's the worst that happens at 12 months? And and six years later, here I am. So yeah, I worked out. I, I, I hope it's worked out really well. And I, you know, I think, you know, with that, building on that, I think part of why I love this role and like what really keeps me here and engaged and is really a building on Jess's point is really the students that you get to work with and interact with right they're going through some really challenging things and and the fact that they've let you into that and shown their vulnerability with you and then kind of put this trust in in you because like let's face it like careers is you know that career pathing thing is is probably one of the top five most stressful things anybody can get involved in so yeah I, I find a lot of purpose in the type of work I've done like in, in past corporate jobs like I'd be at the office for 10 hours and they come home and get asked like what did you do today and I was like really can't answer that but in this role <laughs> like you know the student sends you that email saying hey that advice works thank you so much you know that is amazing right and and yeah and, and they come with some really challenging uh you know I'm just laughing I just know some of the questions they get which are great but they're really interesting and then just the challenge that goes so yeah it's been great yeah wow that's priceless like Honestly, listening to all of you and how you got into where you are and what you're doing, all unique paths, all different ways to get there, but really passionate and obviously leaders in your space and so happy to have you here. So, all right. The next question I wanted to ask was, we know the landscape for student jobs has changed over the years, you know, just beyond traditional co-ops and internships, but I wanted you to maybe share 
with the audience, what have you been seeing? What's new out there? So maybe I'll start first with Cynthia. Yeah, and um, and I think there's been obviously in my lifetime in this space has there's been a lot of uh, growth in the interest of hiring student talent across our industries, right? And I think when I first started, there were some key players, certain sectors. But now it really is um, kind of across industries, across organizations, not just large corporate, but really looking at, you know, small to medium sized enterprises joining us on campus, um, but also um, looking at the startup space, which is so integral to us here in Ontario as well. Um, so, and I think with that, because we uh, obviously our traditional programs, summer internships, and we look at co-op um, are definitely there and uh, dominate that market, but we're also seeing a change, right, in terms of similar with our gig economy as different shapes and formats for all of these work integrated learning opportunities that might exist. And you'll see the schools also changing in that landscape and saying, you know, not everybody fits in that four month full time job opportunity. So you might see what, you know, I might refer to as a micro will. So it might be a, a short, quick, a three week, four week intensive where you're working with an employer partner or there's that opportunity or more research-based and you might have a faculty member that joins you and that uh, does a research project as it relates to R&D sometimes. Again, it all depends, right? So there's a lot of flexibility in what we define as work now, right? So it's yeah. all work, but it, again, taking di different shapes and sizes, which I think is great because we're all uh, different learners and different have different opportunities and different uh, flexibility in our lives as it relates to work. So I think it's really good for uh, students moving forward if, as we continue to grow this and we see employer partners supporting it as well. Super interesting. Bob, what have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I echo what Cynthia is saying too, in terms of the growth of flexibility. And so, you know, the, the traditional co-op model of doing four or five or six, four months uh, co-ops has really evolved. Uh, employers in the economy are looking for the longer terms, 8, 12, and 16 months. And so this this evolution of co-op is one of the innovations as well is that, uh, you know, say here at York, we've developed really a two-block co-op where students can go out for 8, 12, or 16 months um, and get longer experiences, maybe complete a project while they're on their work term end-to-end um, longer indoctrination into that company in terms of the employer and the company side of things. They get, you know, a longer trial period with the students. And so that really seems to be where things are evolving. It gives more flexibility to the employers and to the, uh, and to the students in terms of what they're looking for. And so instead of an employer just retraining a new student every four months, they can actually get a little uh, return on investment when the student stays a bit longer. Um, I think there's a growth, at least what I'm seeing in international co-ops and international internships and experiences. And so isn't that sort of the, the cherry on the cake is can you have multiple experiences tied to your education and maybe one of those experiences also international where you work with a diverse team um, and you're you're gaining more DDI type of skills and, and proficiencies, you know, are you able to really deliver on a multi- you know, multinational team, that makes a big difference. And then, you know, the federal government's involvement with, uh, you know, supporting student employment in the last, I don't know, say seven, eight years has been a massive change with, with SWIP 
and the funding for the Seawill iHub and BeHer, um, that has made our ability to develop innovative will, um, capstones that are multidisciplinary and not just engineering, short-term micro wills like Cynthia is talking about, all those things together has really evolved um, this whole kind of co-op experience game. Yeah, it's really, <clears throat> to your point and Cynthia's point, it's really exciting to see how the landscape has shifted and um, can't wait to see where it goes from here. Aaron, how about you? It's a fascinating conversation. I'm seeing many of the same things that colleagues have mentioned um, from both like on the <laughs> micro uh, work experiences to also, uh, you know, responding to industry's desire. And I saw this as an employer of co-op students like 11 years ago. I was like, no, no, I don't want to hire someone for four months. I want to hire them for three consecutive uh, four right. months <laughs> terms so they can work with me through the whole student cycle. And yeah, it's it's a better value for me as an employer. Um, I really like that idea of like the growth of flexibility. I think what I'm seeing and, and some of the work that we're trying to do here at the University of Calgary is creating more than one way that a student can integrate work um, or gain experience as part of their degree program. In many programs before that was you did co-op or internship, but I think as one of our colleagues mentioned, not every student can do a four-month full-time placement. If you've got childcare responsibilities, <laughs> if you're neurodiverse, if you for any number of reasons um, that might not work for a student. Um, so trying to ensure that like, you know, there's multiple ways that a student could do this. Um, and we did a survey with students just to try to understand like what gets in the way of people doing this. And, and so we're trying to respond to the things that students have in their lives um, and ensure that we have opportunities for them. And I think what, like I talked about working at, we all talked about our first jobs. I worked at Dairy Queen at 15 you know, years of age. By the time I went to university, I had had several different job experiences, but I think more and more, I'd be curious what others say, but I feel like more and more our students aren't coming to university with previous work experience. And in some cases, then it's really helpful to have um, what Cynthia was sharing, like these short-term opportunities to um, just kind of sink your teeth into something, test the waters. Is this like an industry or type of work you're interested in before making a bigger commitment to say like a 16 month co-op term yeah wow i i actually wish i had each of you when i was in <laughs> university to consult with um and and thinking about that as we go to the next question you know there's students who are on campus now or returning to school or maybe won't be starting their university post-secondary college situation until next year but we all know the value of career services but jess and maurice maybe you could both share um, individually, what value do you see in students seeking out career services at their schools? And I'll start with you, Maurice. So I think uh, for students, really, it's about being a trusted resource and a data point for them. Like there are so many trends and, and fads out there right now. And I think sometimes students already come in with like, well, my best friend's uncle's boyfriend told me that this is this is the thing now on TikTok, right? And so you're kind of like, okay. Uh, and instead of like, you know, you know, just kind of like, well, TikTok's dumb or, or that's not right, right? You kind of just, okay, let me, let's, let's hear it, right? 
right? And, and I think it is really about helping them na navigate those trends and making sense of all that noise, right? And and so at Career Services, they, what you try to do and what I try to be is like really just a, a trusted resource for students and really just a good passenger for them in their you know, professional development journey, because I think, you know, what you heard from, you know, like I'm building on what Aaron said about like trying different things right before they go. And sometimes like, yeah, students may have a, a linear path, but like, I like, I remember like, I just did the academic orientation for the first year science students. And it's, you know, like, yeah, 30% of them knew that they were in science because they wanted to be a doctor, but that could change in, in year three. Right. And then what about the 70% that are like, I don't know, I was just really good at science. So therefore that seemed like a good idea for me so what does that mean right and so I think just really helping them kind of make sense of all that chaos in careers because those days of like it being like you go to you're born you go to school 35 later years later here's your gold watch thank you for your time at the cracker factory <laughs> Mr. Fernandez that was kind of like our grandparents you know or, or you know, yeah. even older right generations career trajectory but we're seeing like what the average person now has like 12 careers before they retire so but I, yeah. I'll pass it on to Jess. Just get her thoughts too. Yeah, sure. absolutely. I think I'm going to, I think, build off of a lot of what Maurice is mentioning as well, because I think that that's really the key is the informed um, approach that career services has, um, as opposed to the wealth of information that's available online. Um, that's you can't necessarily trust and you can't necessarily fact check. Uh, I think the one of the best parts about career services at a, at a university or a college or any post-secondary institution is that, um, you know, you have folks who are committed to learning what are the trends and what is the reality and then transferring that information into the hands of the student when they need it most and really being there for them when it is most relevant, I think is really important as well. Um, so that's definitely one um, one benefit and value I would see of it. The other thing, I, and I'll, I'll piggyback again on, on the other folks that have spoken so far, but with the ever-changing landscape of what does work look like, um, it's important to have that constant connection to folks who are informed and, and aware, um, especially as we think about where do students go for advice? They either go online or maybe they're talking to their family, you know, their um, their parents' experiences would be very different than what their experiences would be now. Um, you know, 101 things can change in a matter of a day. So you never really know what the, the differences can be. And I think that's the beauty of having access to services um, like these sorts of things on campus, uh, because you're able to get that information that's current, that's relevant, uh, and that, uh, you know, isn't necessarily um, out there elsewhere. So I think that's really the biggest value. The other thing that I'll say as well, and something that we see at the University of Ottawa, uh, we have a very large um, population of international students and career services are so essential for students who are navigating um, any job market, whether it's something that's local to them or something that's brand new because they just arrived in Canada. Um, so I think, you know, I, all of those things uh, said, I think it's really the informed service that you can get that's based off of data research and uh, and realities that we see every day. Some great, great insights and advice. And students, if you're listening to this, make sure you get to your career services. And uh, as Bob pointed out, maybe not on the last day of your education, but uh Make sure you get in there and, and take advantage of some of these great people that are here, here with me today. Um, <clears throat> focusing on the audience of the podcast, and we know it's a lot of students, new grads, high school, et cetera, maybe even some people just looking for a career change. But 
I wanted to ask a couple of you, how, um, how could uh, someone stand out with an employee or maybe with a hiring manager? Any tips or ideas that you want to share with them? Um, I'll start with you, Cynthia. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because the more that we know about ourselves, the more that will stand out. And so, uh, you know, just as it was talking about this notion around how the teams can support you, your career teams, right? And it's exploring who you are, your strengths, your weaknesses, um, being really self-aware, but also then on the flip side, knowing um, what's out there. And uh, the best piece of advice I've been saying to our students and hearing from our employer partners is it is up to you to share how you are going to contribute to that organization and their success. So it's no longer just about a job posting and filling in the, hey, I have at the Cracker Factory, <laughs> here are my five things I need to know how to do and checking those five boxes and saying, therefore, you're going to give me a job and then I'm going to get that watch at the end of it all. But is ultimately... Um, this notion of how are you going to add value to that organization and to their business. And that business could be for-profit, not-for-profit. There's adding value in different ways. Um, and But the only person that can do that is you. So make sure that you surround yourself with individuals who are going to help you develop that story and help you develop that and articulate your value to your prospective employer. Great, great, great thoughts there. Thanks, Cynthia. Maurice, how about you? Uh, yeah, just building on what Cynthia was saying, I think to we like I, I'd actually like to pivot a bit on on the on the job posting because I think what I always tell students is like look at the job posting as a problem. Like anytime an employer has a job posting, it's a problem, right? And so to build on that, on what Cynthia was saying about like understanding their values, like how can you solve this problem for them, right? And and because I think a lot of times students come in and we're like, I want the perfect resume. And my belief is there is no perfect resume. There's only a perfect resume for an employer because, you know, bank A, B, and C will look for the financial analyst, but they will look at financial analysts very differently based on the problems that they're trying to solve. So I think the student really, and I love what Cynthia was saying, but like really understand what strengths, values you bring. Uh, to the employer and really speaking to them via the job posting, because if you create this generic resume, you're going to get that generic rejection email coming back at you <laughs> like a couple of days after you've applied. Right. And so really understanding what the unique challenges are, whether it's in a specific company or a specific industry that you might be interested in, like technology, right? If you're in the tech space and you're curious about HR, know that right now the challenges are diversity and inclusion in tech is still a problem. Um, and that retention of talent is always a problem in tech, right? So as an HR, as a, as a soon-to-be HR professional and HR professional in training, what are you going to do? For, what are you doing about that? What are your thoughts on that? And I think secondly, it's really reframing what experience means. I think a lot of students get caught up on this experience trail. Well, I haven't had a job in X, so therefore I have no experience. Yet they have all these amazing other experiences from volunteering, right? Or taking part in extracurriculars, right? How do you show that you're passionate about a specific industry, right? Well, I took this hackathon or I took this course outside of my extracurricular course on a subject that relates to that. Okay, you didn't get paid for it. I get it, but that's experience. And, you know, building on Justin's point of like international students, right? Like the lived experience of like living, leaving your home country where you knew everything and everyone about the how it navigates or how to navigate yourself there to come to a new country like Canada in a totally different city, right? Where you have to build a network 
right? So that's relationship building, right? Uh, showing great emotional intelligence, self-management to like find how to navigate spaces here, right? These are all skills that employers look for, right? So those are, those are some of the things that we really help reframe and really help uh, our students stand out, especially in the face of employers. Yeah, really, really helpful advice. Jess, anything from you on this standout? idea yeah one of the words that marie said is is showing your passionate passion is really the thing that um that is important i think that some students forget uh and i think because we're so focused maybe on on talking about data and metrics and you know those things that uh can show passion based off of results but you know the true passion that you might show through enthusiasm or the way that you communicate the way you storytell um, I think that's really something that helps you stand out, certainly in an interview situation and a networking environment. Um, this is a chance for you to show, you know, your passion, your enthusiasm, your positive attitude, um, your curiosity. Uh, these are all things that I find often students, uh, not that they don't have it because they do, it's they forget or they get nervous or they get panicked because they want to make a good first impression. And uh, they forget that sometimes it's as simple as, you know, smiling, showing you're, mm-hmm. you're excited to be there. Um, um, and sometimes we forget that. So I think that that's a really, really simple way to stand out sometimes is just to show that you're you're just keen to be there. Um, I think that it makes a world of a difference. Wow. Really, really great insights and thoughts there. Thanks to all three of you for sharing that one. Next up, I want to talk a little bit. Of, we, we talk about transferable and human skills. And, you know, sometimes people don't even know what transferable skills means. But like, as we define it, talk about it, human skills are more important now and will be in the future. Um, Bob and Aaron, what skills do you feel students need to think about and maybe even think about developing outside of the classroom? And Bob, I'll start with you. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, you know what? A a lot of this builds on, you know, what my colleagues have been saying already, too. Um, Understanding understanding yourself um, and your strengths and interests in terms of building your, your career goals and understanding that you are in charge of your career management. So, you know, education is going to give you some skills and, you know, enhance your career prospects, but it doesn't give you a career. And so this this idea of knowing that you are managing this journey and this process is is really important. That, and you're in charge of sort of ultimately where you're going to, uh, to end up. Um, one of the other things related to what Cynthia was saying is that... Um, you know, a lot of students, I think it was Cynthia, a lot of students aren't coming with the work experience, all the part-time jobs um, that we used to do before we got to university. And then co-op or internship or some sort of will is actually their first time um, uh, working. And so um, the, the transferable skill outside of the classroom here is getting those experiences, yeah. getting a work-study job if your program doesn't have a co-op or internship or some other type of will. So try and work on campus, have any kind of employment experiences so you're starting to understand what the world of work is like and that you're preparing yourself to actually be in that world because you will be for you know, a considerable time. And it's so different, you know, that you have to switch your mindset from only fulfilling personal goals and grades and completing assignments predominantly on your own to trying to deliver on expectations, but with a diverse team. And and sort of like I, I mentioned earlier, too, especially, a you know, a highly, you know, racially um, uh, diverse team, um, internationally diverse team, diverse sexual orientation, all of that um, is coming together. And so 
how do you keep that open mind and position yourself to be a strong team player in that environment? Um, that's how, you know, you're, you're really going to succeed. And those are the skills that aren't predominantly, you know, being taught in the classroom. Uh, they're, they're teaching you very specific skills about a particular subject matter, but equally important is, you know, being able to thrive in the world of work, understand the politics and how things happen and how people either progress or don't. And then how can you be successful as part of whatever team, company, organization, employment that you're part of? Um, because it's no longer just you, you know, you're part of something bigger now. Great, great advice. Totally agree with you. Um, Aaron, how about you on, on skills outside of the classroom? Yeah, I, and I might take a slightly different approach sure. and pick up on something that, that Maurice <laughs> shared earlier. But I think like you could look at any any framework for skills or competencies, and there's a lot of overlap between them. But I think of like collaboration, teamwork, adaptability, complex problem solving, et cetera. Um, I'm hiring right now, not for a student role, but for a professional role. And, and I think the same is true for both uh, students who are looking for their first experience and other job seekers as well, that as a hiring manager, I don't want to see like the list of skills. I want you to show me what you have done um, and what you're capable of, like illustrate that for me, both in the resume cover letter and then in the interview as well, or in an informational interview or in a networking session. Um, and uh, I just, rather than uh, just a list of, you know, what, what skills you think you have. And I think um, those can come from, if you don't have work experience, thinking about the classroom experiences. Many of yeah. our students are working in group work, or if you're working, um, it didn't, it may have come up in the earlier question about the different types of work, but more and more of our students are working on like consulting style projects with an organization. There's certainly transferable skills that are work related um, that are being honed through those opportunities. So not just saying what you did, but show us what you learned and how you contributed to those experiences. I love that. Yeah, it's it's not just developing a list and going in and reading it off, as you said. Mm. It's actually demonstrating it, right? And that's where you also need to think about it more. But great, great, great advice and insight so far. This is really great. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to bounce around a little bit now um, with each of you, so I'll just keep you on your toes. But um, I'm going to skip ahead to a little bit to social media. We know we all use it. We all have our go-to platforms to engage with candidates and students and, and like. Um, Jess and Aaron, I wanted to ask you first, um, how should candidates use social media to help them build their brand? Any thoughts? I'll start with Jess. Sure. I think the first the first comment I want to say is that they absolutely should, um, just to, to put that out there, because I think there's still a little bit of this um, hesitant nature sometimes about embracing social media. not in terms of like personal life, because we know that um, certainly youth, but almost everybody, we really have wrapped our arms around social media. And it's something that we use all the time in our day-to-day -day life. Um, but I think when it comes to using it professionally, um, there is still this fear. And I think part of that, you know, comes from, um, we hear horror stories of things that happen online or, or that kind of stuff, sharing personal information, that sort of thing. But I think the reality is that it's a tool we need to embrace um, and we need to get ahead of that. Um, and so I think, 
using social media is very, very important. And when I think about what to use, I think LinkedIn is a given. Um, I think that that's something that is so critical, but also other online portfolio platforms. Um, I have a, a experience working with um, students in software engineering, computer science, that sort of thing. Um, and being able to showcase that work is so critical um, and having an online portfolio really helps with that. Um, the other thing I'll say for LinkedIn is um, you don't have to be the best um, poster. You don't have to post something every day or every week or whatever it might be. But um, what you can do is interact, be present. Um, it makes a world of a difference, um, especially as you're just getting sort of comfortable with it. Um, and then the last thing that I'll say is that if you do start to be more aware of what your online brand says about you, um, a quick Google search is a really great way to figure this out. Um, but you can control what that first page of Google looks like. And it makes such a big difference in the recruitment process. Um, I know that there's some folks with us here who have recruitment backgrounds and, um, you know, recruiters do Google you uh, all the time. And if they are not impressed with what comes up when they Google you, um, that might be a little X against you in the uh, in the competition. So um, control that information that's out there, delete old posts on whatever platform if you're not happy with them. Um, but having a LinkedIn profile is a really great way to, to manage that information as well, because if you have a LinkedIn profile that's active and searchable, if you Google yourself, it's likely to be the first link that pops up. Um, so that's one really good way to control that information as well. Um, but I do think that uh, the first thing is embrace it because it's it's real. Recruiters use it. It's important. It's a great tool. Um, and then use it to your advantage in whatever way you can. Sounds good. Erin, any thoughts? I don't have really much more to, to offer, but I would say yes. I was going to say you don't have to be creating content on LinkedIn, but <laughs> you know the, the basics like having a, a, a good headshot, which doesn't necessarily have to be a professional headshot. And quite often there's events on campuses where you can get a headshot that's done. Um, but yeah, keeping it, keeping it active and just having it um, uh, and networking selectively, like not clicking connect to connect with every single person, adding a note when you're reaching out to someone, if you're a panelist on as a student on a um, with folks from industry, that's a great opportunity to connect afterwards and can and reference how you met them and you know what you're looking for in, in connecting. But I just really agree with uh, many of the things that that Jess shared. And you know, if you can clean up, I think like the image really matters when someone mm -hmm. Googles you and you know it's a I don't know, it's a, a beach photo from a spring break experience or something. The, maybe see if you can update that one to, to yeah, because unfortunately um, it is a tool that, that we are using as hiring managers that recruiters are using. So it, it might be the, you know, the first impression that someone has of you. Absolutely. Some really good advice. So we talked, we touched a little bit on, on LinkedIn. Maurice, I wanted to get your opinion on, uh, you know, a student or a candidate having a robust LinkedIn profile. How important do you think that is? Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a strong believer in the tool, especially, and not just during the job search phase of it, right? Like, I think LinkedIn does a great job for that, don't get me wrong. But, you know, that's only one phase of it. And, you know, as someone whose network helped him through a career transition, um, you know, and, and LinkedIn was really critical to that because people had seen what I had been speaking about in terms of early talent acquisition. And that's what really elevated my brand. Um, so I'm a huge believer in this tool being a support for students and early talent as they navigate uh, the world of work, right? Um, I think 
especially for, for students that may be, you know, introverted themselves, right? It is a tool that can also help them with their personal brand and building on what, you know, Jess and Aaron were saying, like this tool can, you know, you can showcase your interest in certain industries by just interacting with content. You don't have to develop your own content, but you can be an active listener for content. And when you are getting interviewed or people asking you about your interest in our company or this industry, or how do you see your values intersecting what we're doing? You can always reference back to what's being said on this platform. Um, so huge, huge proponent of this. Also, if you build out your 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 profile and you reach the to the point where the where the tools actually starts working for you, right? So while you're in class. LinkedIn's algorithms are doing some really great things for you while you're, you know, studying for exams. If you're a student athlete, you know, you're practicing or training, right? LinkedIn's doing a lot of work for you. Mm -hmm. And there are some great features on it. If you do take the time to, you know, do some cleanup on the portfolio, you know, I think LinkedIn, like Aaron said, you just need a really clean headshot, a really catchy headline and just invest a little bit in your summary section and you're, good to go so some great great yeah. advice on social media thanks for sharing that and go visit your career centers because we are all trained to help you with that by the way <laughs> there <laughs> we you go all have workshops on this we have great templates to support you with it so you're not doing it alone good Just a pitch for the career center hey good plug good plug that's why we're all here um Wow, this has been so incredible and um I, wow just everything you all have been sharing. Um, couldn't be more excited uh, to get this out there for the students and the career seekers. But maybe before we look at closing out here in the next little while, um, if maybe each one of you could share one piece of career advice to our listeners, um, what would that be? So um, maybe I'll start with Jess. Sure. I think the biggest um, the biggest advice I can give or the best advice I can give really um is not specific to anything uh, that anybody could um, necessarily do, but it's something that they can embrace. Uh, and it's being okay with um, failure, which sounds a little harsh, but um, I think the idea is that every opportunity that you get to uh, maybe make a mistake and learn from it is so valuable. Um, and that really is something that should be embraced and, uh, and appreciated as opposed to being feared uh, or um, maybe, you know, not taking a risk and, and um, missing out on something great because we're afraid of making a mistake or failing. So I think the best career advice I can give to anybody, whether you're a student, a recent grad, or, or someone making a career transition, is just to um, embrace that um, discomfort of making a mistake and, and having to learn from it, because I think it's a really valuable opportunity to, uh, to learn more about yourself and more about the direction you're heading in. Thank you for sharing that. It's so important because we don't tend to always talk about our failures and what we learned. We kind of start with, you know, what we succeeded in. So I think that's a super important um, aspect of one's personal growth. So thanks for sharing that. Maurice, how about you? Yeah, I think uh, one of the best pieces of career advice I ever got, and I now am sharing with every student I meet, is to build an identity outside of your career. Sometimes mm. I think we, you know, I know work-life integration is a big thing, but I, I also think though there is there is a, a healthy um, there's a healthy need to like build that identity outside of your career and and just you're not defined by your job and unless you choose to be that again up to you but you don't have to be um, because I think a lot of people put a lot of onus on that and I think that also adds to stresses for 
for students mm -hmm. where like they think they like only three or four jobs matter, right? But they don't. There's some really great opportunities out there for for students to explore and and be curious about. But I think central to that is really developing that identity outside of your career that will help find that. Yeah, what a what an interesting thought there. Yeah, because by having that identity. Uh, identified better it probably even opens up way more doors because you're just thinking differently I, yeah I, I love that and I and and you know if one one last piece of advice go visit your career center don't wait, <laughs> don't wait to the last day of, four, of your fourth year well it worked out for Bob amazingly <laughs> and, and we're here to support you but you know you, you could visit us earlier <laughs> and with that I'll give Bob the stage <laughs> uh, thank you thank you I'll just also add on that too is that it's never too late um, yeah. uh, to go to your career center or to go to a, a career counselor, advisor, educator. And so don't ever think you've missed the train because you haven't. You can start at, at any point, you know, when you're you're ready and it makes sense to you and you're motivated. But um, I guess my advice is um, uh, there's there's great dignity and respect in all work. And so look at your career as a lifelong journey where you are constantly in motion to get yourself to a place where you're maximizing your skills, your abilities, and your enjoyment of this part of your life. Hmm. And so don't look at it as an end game where I just, I need to score this goal or get to this place at this time. It's the, it's the whole journey. And it's uh, try to get yourself to sort of the top of the pyramid where you feel as fully actualized as you possibly can be um, in your career. And don't stop until you get to as close to that point as, as you possibly can. You may not reach the peak, but the, the part of it is the journey is just to try and get there and know that you deserve to be on that trip and you deserve to try and get as far as you possibly can based on you know your economic background, education, everything that you've been given to start with. So those are my words. Super. Awesome. Really great. Thank you for that. How about Aaron? Uh, great. I was just wanted to pick up on something that Bob said that I often say to students that it's never too early or yeah. too late to get yes. some experience yeah. or to start talking to people, mentors, advisors, etc. Um, uh, but I would say um, be curious and um, try something. Try something simple, like just get started. And it doesn't mean that that's what you're going to do for the rest of your life or that you have to commit to that. But I think it's about, especially if you're just starting out and and don't have a lot of work experience um, and reflecting on like, what are, you, what are you learning? What do you like about certain experiences? Because these early career opportunities, I think, um, help you if you tune into what you're learning and what you like and don't like and why you maybe don't like it, gives you the opportunity to um, understand what you need to do your best work, like in terms of a built environment, in terms of flexibility, in terms of what you ideally have um, in colleagues and in a supervisor, because eventually people will ask you about, you know, what do you need from your supervisor or what's the ideal work environment for you? Um, and I think like to pick up, I think it was Jess maybe said, don't be afraid of making mistakes that I think like these opportunities, like co-op internship, working on a project, a summer job, a volunteer opportunity, um, 
it's not just about career affirmation. So like confirming that this is the path that I want to be on for the rest of my life, but it's more about career clarity. And sometimes that means, oh, I really thought I wanted to do this, but I definitely do not. And that's helpful too. So like be curious, um, see it as a journey um, and think about like, what do you learn from each of the experiences that you do have? Wow. Great, great thoughts. And thank you so much, Erin, for that. Cynthia, we'll, we'll end with you on this one. And Wow. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> they, this group is impressive. Brian, you're right. Um, and uh, everybody said some wonderful words of wisdom for all the students who are listening and young job seekers. Um, I think it's interesting. I, I say to students when they join us and, you know, I'm coming from a business school landscape. So you can imagine how uh, focused our cohorts are on that job, right? That job and active job seeking. And, you know, and I, I say, here's the thing. I don't want any, you know, you don't have to be an active job seeker as in applying to jobs and networking and, and doing all these things. What I want you to think about is this journey. And as a student, you are going to have access to opportunities like nowhere else in your lifetime. Um, higher ed is a very special place and it creates this lovely environment for learning. And that includes succeeding and failures uh, and exploring and testing and doing all of these wonderful things that will allow you to grow personally and professionally. And so my advice every year when our students join us, as they are doing right now on campus, is, you know, be open to opportunity uh, and take advantage of the opportunities that are here for you. And uh, that's, you know, you heard me say it's all about us creating from a career team perspective. It's about creating opportunities for our students as it relates to their career. Um, but whether that's athletics, whether it's student club leadership, whether it's research in the classroom, group work, looking, there are the opportunities that exist for students is amazing. And, and it's always exciting for me because I know that exists and you get to build your journey the way you want to. And, you know, Bob said it earlier, that notion of managing your career, manage your degree, manage your experience, that career part will follow alongside with it as well. Um, so just enjoy, <laughs> live the journey, uh, to, to, to have it be yours. That's my piece. I love it. I love it. Hey, I, Wow, this has been such an enriching conversation. And, you know, selfishly for myself, it's been great to catch up with you all today and and hear how everything's going and the advice and everything you shared. Um, and I'm super proud to actually also call all each of you my friend. I mean, what you're doing and what you are doing to inspire young talent every day is what we need in the world. And um, I just want to thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and and imparting some of your wisdom and thoughts with with the audience that's tuning in today. So thank you very, very much for doing that. I really appreciate it. So thank for, you, oh, thank you. <laughs> so for the listeners, if you like what you heard today, this has been Coffee with Convery. So please like this episode on Spotify, follow Coffee with Convery on Instagram and stay well. And until next time, We'll, we'll be here and uh, look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. Thank you, everyone.